benedictions. I am going to pray for us, and we're going to get right into it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you uh, for the reading of your word. I thank you that it's the first thing that we hear when we come into this place. Lord, may we worship you through your word, your word that is a double-edged sword and a mirror, a hammer, uh, your word that shows us truth, your word that breaks us and draws us to yourself, your word. Father, I know right now that there is a people here who are broken and hurt, a marriage that just got into a fight, people who, even as they walk in, don't see any hope for their surrounding circumstances. Lord, I also know that people are trying their best right now to pretend that everything is okay and everything is not okay. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would meet us at the point of our need and that we would glorify you and lift you up. Father, I pray that you would be uh, elevated in our hearts, that you would be worshipped, served and loved, honored and sought after, pursued and prayed to. Father, may our hearts be broken for you. Help us during this service. Help me to communicate this message. Help your word to be lodged deep in our hearts and help us to live it. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm so glad you're here. It really is cold outside. Gee whiz. I I was telling my wife, do we really have to go to church? She goes, you're the pastor. He goes, all right, I guess I gotta go. Um, So, I'm kidding. I actually didn't say that. But um, uh, I'm glad that you're here and that you brave the elements and uh, that we can be here together to Uh, celebrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to go right into the text because there's so much that we have to discuss. It's just like nutty. So open your Bibles, if you've got them, to Galatians chapter 3. And we're going to, by God's grace, finish up. I was going to make this a two-week sermon because there's just so much here. We're going to see how we're going to do this week and uh, and go right into it. Uh, So we're going to go to from verses chapter 3, exactly what Rodney read, verses 23 through 29. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, when I was a kid, I got lost at the beach. Ever got lost at the beach? It's, uh, you know, if you ever gotten lost, it's a really scary thing, like an amusement park beach or something like that. It's a really, really scary deal. Well, I got lost and um, I, uh, I was found uh, by a policeman who, you know, who was a student. God was, you know, God was gracious. And he allowed him to find me, and then uh, I uh, walked in, uh, and he bought me an ice cream, and he gave me a little, you know, he gave me his hat to wear, and I was pretty cool. And then he finally brought me to, you know, he was driving around, and he finally brought me to my family, who was really excited to see me, and the, as you can imagine, right? And, and so we got there, and it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. But the job of the police officer wasn't to keep me there. I mean, that would have been horrible. If the police officer would have kept me with him, that would have been a nightmare. That's no fun at all. The police officer's job was to find me, to encourage me, and escort me to my family. That was the job of the police officer. And if he would have done anything else, he would have not been doing his job. 
in the text that we're about to read, we're going to find the usefulness of the law and the usefulness of guilt and shame in your life. Did you know that there's actually healthy guilt and healthy shame? That there's the kind of guilt and shame that's natural and healthy that can bring you and uh, help you grow and encourage you? Now, that being said, I know that in our um, congregation, there's a bunch of people who absolutely shun that simply because of the deep shame that they've grown up with. You've grown up, and, and some of the shame that you've grown up with has nothing to do with you. It wasn't even your fault, right? You didn't, it, it wasn't you who walked into the room and did those things to you. It was that person, yet you feel a deep sense of shame. It wasn't you who, uh, you know, picked up your mother's habit, uh, you know, but, but there you are, and you feel shame about that. It wasn't you who, um, you know, couldn't be disciplined enough to be faithful. It was your father, but, but there you are. And there's a sense of sh- guilt and shame that we walk around with that's unhealthy and painful and difficult. And we'll do anything to get rid of the guilt and shame. We'll distract ourselves with alcohol. We'll consume ourselves in drugs. We'll, uh, we'll kid ourselves with shopping, right? We'll get our, you know, dress up the outside, right? We'll try to rise, raise up to, we'll, we'll try to work in our, our jobs to such a degree that, you know, you know, I am somebody. Some of our, some of our work tendencies are just an effort to show somebody, maybe your dad, maybe your mom, some of our workaholic tendencies are just an effort to show that we're really not that bad. You see, I am good after all. Because we walk around with this sense of guilt and shame. Perhaps it's, it's, it's not something that you gained with your children or gained as you were a child. Maybe you just made some severe and gross mistakes as you grew older. You, um, there, there's different things. I mean, you could have had an abortion and you just feel such guilt and such shame about that. And I just, I'm with you on that. Maybe, maybe you, you had an opportunity to love deeply someone that cared for you and you didn't. In fact, you did the exact opposite. You turned from them, you abandoned them, and it wasn't that they closed their heart to you. You, by your actions, closed your heart to them. The job of the law, as we're going to read, is to be sort of a police officer who finds you standing on the curb away from your father. And the job of the law is to, among other things, the law has other work, but the job of the law in this text, as we're going to see it, is to take you somewhere. And it's to bring you somewhere. Now the problem is and still is for a lot of us, that we get this guilt and shame and it defines us. We get this guilt and shame and it's what's in our hearts. We are defined, we are labeled, we are, <clears throat> we see ourselves in our hearts as people who are full of shame and full of guilt. 
Even as I'm speaking this right now, some of you are thinking of some unspeakable acts that happened to you, maybe by some family members when you were kids. Some of you are thinking about uh, when that person walked out of your life and you thought to yourself, there's something, let me give you a little piece of information that's really, really powerful. There's something that happens in the heart of a child when trauma happens. Now, this is universal, and I'm going to help you to understand your heart. Because what you find in your heart is full of shame and guilt and suffering. What happens is this. Something happens. Dad leaves. Mom goes into the medicine closet, medicine chest, a little bit too often. Uh, Dad is a rageaholic. Mom stuffs feelings. Nobody allows for emotions. You know, it's just a, a dysfunctional home. You know, dad's active, mom's, uh, you know, uh, uh, cheating, and, and all these things are going on. But trauma, drama, difficulty happens. We're left with that babysitter who does unspeakable things. We're, you know, we're thought, uh, you know, so all these things happen, right? Where, you know, divorce happens and that breaks you. Or death happens and that breaks you. Or, 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 or worse, you know, you, you get violated and that breaks you. Things break us. The question that the child asks, listen to me, what I'm going about to say is going to help set some of you free. I mean, I really want you to listen right now. I really want you to listen. What the child does in this moment is the child asks himself, herself, what's wrong with me? Could have nothing to do with them. And they ask themselves, What's wrong with me? Now, if there's not a, a, a parent or a loving pastor, or a, and this is, by the way, the power of a community of believers. This is why we meet together, so that we might be able to love one another and glorify God together and, 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 and be the needs of each other. Well, what happens is, is that when our hearts get so broken, when there's a, a tear that comes into our hearts, we put something in there. And the, the thing that we put in there is, we ask a question that we can only answer negatively. What is wrong with me? And that gets lodged deep in our hearts. What's wrong? Why did daddy leave? Why does mama act this way? Why... Why did they do that? What? Maybe, maybe it's just because I'm dirty. Maybe it's just because I'm bad. This is what Satan uses to keep us in bondage and closed off and forever trying to perform for someone. We pick up idols this way. Because in our hearts cannot fit God when we're so fractured and we don't want anything to do with God. We try to find our gods elsewhere. And so we have really cool, cool labels that we give ourselves. Rageaholic, codependent, addict, uh, uh, you know, uh, promiscuous, uh, Gambler, uh, you know, uh, uh, depressed, 
We have all these labels that we give ourselves and that we run to because of these labels that we just that are lodged in our hearts. We are broken. What's wrong with me? This is bad news. You agree? And I'm wondering if I'm speaking to anybody here. Am I speaking to anybody here about trauma and trauma and difficulty and pain? And so you could be, so this could have happened. This could have happened. This, this violation of the heart, this breaking of the heart, this, this evil. This could have happened when you were five years old and at 38, 27,000 people in your business get a pink slip and at... And you ask yourself as an adult, what's wrong with me? You don't pursue, um, uh, you don't pursue uh, like raises or uh, what's that when you move from like worker to manager uh, in, uh, promotions? Thank you. It's a cold morning. Um, you don't, so you don't pursue. You don't pursue promotions. You have an opportunity to go to a different kind of field of work. But you, you are so stuck in this, what's wrong with me? Your heart is broken. It's not whole. You're fractured. And so anything will do. You will, you will at this point any, worship any God. Any God that helps you think you're not that bad. Maybe you're okay. I'm going to explain to you. Listen to me. I'm going to get into our text, and our text is going to make a lot of sense after this. Because, by the way, the chapter 3 is probably the toughest text I've ever had to do. I was like, I, I hope to never preach chapter 3 again. This is a minefield of theological information. It's unbelievable. Anything will do. Any God will do. Anything that helps us to feel Maybe there's something not wrong with me. So, if he, she, her, them help me to feel better, then that's my God. That's who I run to for security. I don't run to Jesus for faithfulness and joy and freedom and gladness. No, no, no. I stay in my prison and I make sure that I keep my God's close. And there's, wash. Oh, let's not, let's just take them all out. It's just, we'll just, I mean, you have people coming around you and they ask this question. Why are you so upset? And you go, I'm not upset. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. You're not upset. Um, but sometimes healthy people get around you and say, you know what? I think you were angry before I got here. I don't think it's my fault. But it's my job. It's my boss. It's my... Uh, yeah. And it's deep in our hearts. Maybe. You just try to convince yourself because you, don't, you feel so insecure that you just try to convince yourself that you're better than anybody else. And so you dress better and you're in a little bit of debt. And you try to, if you're a guy, you try to get the really, really pretty girl. If you're a girl, you try to get the really wealthy guy. And, you know, you just, you just try to convince yourself that you're better than everybody else. Or, and nobody ever thinks of this as pride, 
you get depressed and you tell yourself you're a piece of garbage. That's all pride. Every bit of it is pride. You know what pride is? Pride is a focus on myself. Whether, it, whether you come up with a good answer or a bad answer, doesn't matter. It's all pride. It's all focus. Everybody thinks that pride is a, a, you know, a, a model walking down the catwalk. Not so. Not so. So we de- deepen that in our hearts. There's a bitterness that comes and we just hold it against anyone. You ever been in a relationship where you go, I've never done this. I mean, I've never done this. And the person is accusing you of something that you've never done, right? Yeah, you just found a resentful person. Run for the hills, okay? Fast. Put the Nikes on, okay? Run. Let me tell you something. If you're gonna, whatever you do, marry someone who doesn't hold bitterness against you before you walk in the door, okay? Whatever you do. Like, you want to invite a little bit of hell in your life? Let me help you out a little bit. And you didn't think church was going to be helpful. Let me help you, right? Don't marry a person who's bitter or resentful because that will pour, I mean, like Niagara Falls all over you. That's great. See, we run to these gods, again, because we don't believe that Jesus will meet our needs. So we're greedy about the food that we eat. That's called gluttony. We're greedy about the uh, clothes that we wear and the car that we drive. That's called materialism. We're greedy about, you know, you can just kind of go on and on about this. But it's anything other than Jesus. You go, you look to these things to satisfy, to answer the need. Listen, listen. To save you. Save you from what? Save you from what's wrong with me. Envy. You just go, you just start looking at people and you just start saying to yourself, you know what, they don't deserve what they got and I deserve it more and just, and you're so focused. And nobody ever thinks that they're envious, right? Like, I've never met a person that says, yeah, I'm a hater. That's me. That's my job description. I'm a hater. I've, I've never met that person. I've never even met the person who said I'm greedy. greedy. Greedy is like a vampire. Envy is like a vampire. It doesn't see itself in the mirror. It just doesn't. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, you know, when, when you look in the mirror, you can't see greed, but everybody else sees it. Oh, that's what greed looks like. That's what envy looks like. But we run to anything, anything, anything. We close it up. And we think to ourselves, we think to ourselves, I have all of this into my heart and we're hurting and we come to a place like this in like zero degree weather and we go, with all this, we go, now Jesus, we want to add you into the mix. Now Jesus, you come into my heart too. Jesus, you come into my heart. Here, with all that stuff in there. You know what happens, right? What happens is this. You ask Jesus to come into your heart. You're very sincere. But then troubles come. And you're not going to go to God's word. You know what you'll do. This will do. This will do. I I feel so lonely. I feel so afraid. I feel like I'm not worth anything. This will do. 
God's word, no. The Holy Spirit, no. Freedom in Christ, no. This will do. This will do. Or you go, no, you know, I did that last week. It felt kind of bad. I kind of hurt myself. So I'm like, yeah, that'll do. That'll do. It's all in your heart. Now, with that in mind, I want you to read the text with me. Because we're going somewhere with this. Verses 23 to 25. Chapter 3. NIV. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law. Locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. Now, look up at me. There's two word pictures that Paul is using in this text that you have to understand if you're really going to get this idea of what's going on with the law and what the guilt and what Satan wants to do inside your heart to keep you in bondage. Listen to these two words. These are, these are absolutely classic and you have to hear this. Before this faith came, what faith? The faith that we talked about last week. The faith where God says, Abraham, stay right there. I'll walk in between the pieces. If you didn't hear that sermon, I recommend that you come every week. Or you go um, on our website, listen to the sermon, or iPod, I think it's NBT Sermons, or on our website, which is nbtbrooklyn.org. Tell your friends about it. It's Oh, by the way, we got a facelift on our website. It's as sexy as you can. It's like, it's like the Palladium. Anybody remember the Palladium? Right? It's, like, yeah, it's like that cool. It's like that cool, right? And all the old people go, yeah, (laughs) the Copa. (laughs) Sorry. Um, All right. Um, Before this faith came, the faith that we talked about last week, um, and it's the faith that God does it. How do we come to Christ? By faith, he does the work. How do we grow in Christ? Anybody know? By faith, he does the work. It's Jesus plus Jesus plus, Jesus plus, nothing equals the gospel. It's how we're saved. It's how we're grown. It's Jesus plus nothing. He does the work in us. He gives us the desire. He goes, uh, you were, uh, before this faith came, we were held prisoners. This is the first picture. Paul is saying, you're in jail. You're locked up. You, you've gotten all this stuff and you're in prison. And here's the thing. This is the prison. The prison is not so much that stuff. The prison is how you try to get out of that stuff. I'll I'll be good this time. I'll try harder this time. And so you're counting the days and you go, man, I got like, you know, 14 days. I got like 37 days. I got like 26 days. And you count the days and you go, you know, man, I got to. I gotta work harder. I gotta try better. I gotta do more. I have to learn more. I have to, um, I, I, I'll dress right. I'll eat right. I'll eat my Christian cookies. I'll go to church. I'll, I'll talk to people. I won't hang out with those people. And, and, you know, if you come to this church, you'll say, I'll do some step work and I'll make more meetings and I'll talk to my sponsor more. And it's all these legalistic religious things that you do to try to be free. Because of the guilt that you feel. Now, if you have that guilt and you have that shame, that's a wonderful policeman. Or rather, the law becomes a wonderful policeman to walk you to the cross. 
But if you use that as a sense of guilt and shame in identifying you who you are, listen to me. It's no longer wonderful. It's a, it's a prison, Paul says. It's a jail cell. You can't be free. You know, you're clanking your cup. All of your religious works, right? All of your religious works. Whether your religious works are 12 steps, or your religious works are meeting making, or your religious works is church attendance, or your religious works are Bible reading. All the effort that you make to try to be free, other than the power of Jesus Christ, is just clanking on a jail cell. We'll get you nowhere. Paul says, we were in prison. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. Notice something about faith. I want you to see this about faith. Faith is revealed. Faith is not grabbed after. Faith is not. Notice the wording that Paul is using is that it doesn't depend on us. It doesn't depend on you. God draws you. You have a desire to follow Jesus. You have a desire to read his word because you love him. You have a desire to come to church. You have a desire. God gives those sorts of desires in you to draw you to himself. It's his work. So none of us can become prideful. None of us can become arrogant. None of us can become, none of us can go, look at me. I've been doing a devotional. It's the third day of the year. I've been doing it every day. You know, my diet's doing really well. Right? I know um, there's no such thing. Uh, there's, there are churches who practice this thing called the Daniel Fast. It's not a Daniel Fast. It's a Daniel diet. Um, uh, the Bible never calls it a fast. What it is, is when you uh, come to uh, Daniel, when he came to a particular place, uh, that he decided that he was going to eat this kinds of foods as opposed to these kinds of foods. He didn't do it for 20 days or 40 days. He did it for the rest of his life. It's a diet. It's a lifestyle. And so he did it because of his particular circumstances. But we think to ourselves, oh, well, I'm doing good. I've, I've held my diet for three days. Look at me. And we actually, again, maybe you don't, anything to make you feel beautiful, anything to get you out of the shame, whether it's him or the diet or the, or the clothes or the workout or the car or the house or the job. Or the esteem that you get from your peers. Whatever it is. If you use it, it won't set you free. It'll just keep you in deeper bondage. The faith that Jesus gives is revealed. In other words, you don't go, well, you don't go, well, you know, I'm going to pursue Jesus. No, no, no. Jesus is pursuing you. You simply respond to what's Revealed, right? I'm going to reveal to you uh, what's behind this curtain. Well, you just can respond to what's revealed. You don't seek after it. You respond. It's faith. Verse 24. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified So we're not, you mean, I'm not, I'm not beautiful because he slept with me or she slept with me. 
I'm not beautiful because he likes me or she likes me. I'm not beautiful because I pop these pills or drink this uh, um, beverage and now I think I'm beautiful. I'm not beautiful because I dance this way or I'm cool or I dress this way. I'm not, you mean, I can be made beautiful because of Jesus? Yes. Yes. Every one of us wants to be made beautiful. It's the longing of the human heart. And we'll find all these negative, evil things to try to make us feel beautiful. And they don't work at all. Verse 24, we'll stay there. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. Listen to me. Not lead you into a life of guilt and shame. Not lead you into a life of what's wrong with me. Not lead you into a life where you're broken and you don't you don't run to God because you feel that the only thing that you can do is beat yourself up. No. The law is the purpose of the law is not that. Now here's the problem. The problem is is if you stay there that's what happens. If you stay in guilt and shame and it consumes the totality the totality of your life and you look listen what happens when you act out, guys. What happens? It's the circle, isn't it? Right? You hate this person, and then you wonder, why are you feeling that way? They're nice people. They're your friend. And they, got, they deserve the promotion, but you hate them anyway. So what do you do? You feel worse. And then you hate this person. Whether you're drinking, whether you're acting out, whatever it is, it's cyclical. And if you just try, and then if you just stay in the law, it'll make you feel worse. This is why people leave church. They get caught up in this circle. They keep on going round and round. And then they say, you know what? I'm done. Why am I even bothering trying to take this out of my heart? I'm going to leave. Why? Because I feel worse now than I did before I got here. Right. The law was doing its job. You didn't allow it to take you to where. Let me tell you something about that police officer that took me home or took me to my father and my, my mom. That police, police officer had no idea what my parents looked like. Had no idea. I had to point them out. The law takes us. We gotta, I got to go to Jesus. Let me tell you why this is such great news. You're going to love this. If you're in Christ and you blew it really bad, you're, the, there's a deep sense in you that's going to say, I'm a loser. I can't believe I did it again. I but you can go, God, help me. And you can run to the cross and you can say, oh God, please be my help. Strengthen me. Encourage me. Help me. Lift me. Lord, help me to turn from that sin and that evil. I don't want to run to that cigarette, drug, alcohol, bad eating, um, bad shopping habits, misspending. I don't want to run to that for my security. I don't want to run to that for my joy. I don't want to run to that to be made feel beautiful. I want to run to you. I want to run to you. This is so incredibly freeing when you realize this. Let me tell you when this is going to be make sense. Just before you're about to act out, you're going to have an opportunity to go to Jesus. Or you'll have an opportunity to, right? So you feel the tension. 
you feel the pain, and you go, Ugh. no, I don't want to run to those things. I don't, you know, right, right? So, like, you can't get her off your mind, right? And you know she's bad news for you. Like, she's been bad news for you for the last 26 years, but you, you can't get her off your mind, and so you want to call her, you know, and just see, just see how she's doing. Just to see, it's, it's so innocent. You're just going to find out how she's doing. I understand. Right, because you're such a caring person. You're just, you just want to find out how her health is. Hey, keeping the exercise going? All right. Right? And so you, your, your temptation is to go here. The law say, no, no, no. That's not good. That's going to hurt you. Here's what you do. God, bring me to the cross. Lord, I feel so lonely. And whatever it is, I feel lonely. I feel ugly. I feel um, like I'm not beautiful. I feel like I can't be... Um, uh, I can't be loved. I go, God, would you love me? A couple of weeks ago, I was this close, listen to me, this close to going on some awful internet sites. This close. And I remember, I just, I, I, I shut down my computer and I started to get real nervous. And this is, this is what it felt like. I was like, oh God, please help me. And I was just digging in my old stuff. And I was just, oh, God, you know, please, that's not the one. Oh, God. No, that's not the one. Oh, God. Okay, now we got it. And I was just sort of digging into my heart. And, you know, I started to pray really fervently. This was my prayer. I was like, God, I want to serve you. with." I'm, I'm talking about sometimes, let me tell you something. Sometimes you ask God to come himself because there's no angels who can come. This is no time for boys. You need to come to yourself, right? And it's a roll up your sleeves tears coming down your face, spitting kind of prayer. And I was like, God, I want to serve you with all my heart. I want to walk in purity. I want to... And it's after like 8, 10, 12 minutes of that, it was like God stopped me and said, really? And I, I allowed the Lord to walk me over and said, no, you know what? I'd really like to get away with some stuff. If you want to know my heart for real, I want that more than I want that. And it was as if God God said, finally, you're telling the truth. Now we can talk. Now, Now I can talk to you beyond the masks and the superficial nonsense of your title and your thing. So finally... The real Edwin stood up. I don't know. Listen, this, this, this has only happened two times in my life, and I can tell you that I've been tempted a little bit more than two times. I was tempted more than two times yesterday, okay? So, but two times in my life, it was as if God said, it was like bonus round, and God took the temptation, took it right out of my heart, had no desire, and I just started to worship him and love him because that's, listen to me, when the law starts poking at me and says, you're not doing this right, you're not doing this right, you're not doing this right, you go, I know, I'm a mess. In fact, it's worse than you're saying. I've got to run to Jesus. And he's got to lift it from me. And he's got, he's got to make me talk to my husband in ways that are honoring and loving and supporting and understanding. He's got to talk to my wife in ways that are loving and leading He's got to do the work so that I can lead my children 
to a deep, thoroughgoing relationship with Jesus. He's got to do it. If he doesn't do it, I'll be fishing around my heart for my old gods. And they're always eager to be worshipped. Verse 25. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. In other words, we're no longer under the tutor of the law. The two, and, and we're just going to keep on going because there's just too much in this text. I can't pick everything apart. Um, supervision, right? So th- there's the tutor, right? And it, Paul is using a word here in the Greek that's really, really powerful, but that me and you don't understand. When people were, had, were affluent, were rich, um, when they were wealthy, what they did was they, um, they hired tutors. Not tutors like you had in school who helped you a little bit with your math for an hour so that you could get a better grade. Tutors were the people who were... If you think nanny, that's the modern-day equivalent, except they had more uh, freedom, the tutors did, with the children. And so from between 6 and about puberty, around there, some people say 17, some people say 14, some people say 13. So we'll say 6 to about puberty. Um, the, The child of the wealthy person stood with the slave who was a tutor. This slave was a strict disciplinarian, made sure that they were taken care of. They were like sort of a bodyguard and a nanny, but also they were disciplinarian, a disciplinarian and like a drill sergeant, that kind of thing, right? And so Paul is saying, while we were still young, while we didn't know Christ, all we had was rules. Did you work your fourth step? Did you do this law? Are you obeying the Bible? Are you, you know, did you take off your hat when you walked in the building? Did you, right? And we had these laws, these rules, these things, right? And Paul says, but once we came to maturity, the tutor, their job was to help you to mature, to bring you someplace, to bring you to Christ, to total dependence on Christ. Let me ask you something. Do you feel free to go to Christ and pit, and, and, and spit and curse and say, I hate this. I don't even like you sometimes. Are you free to do that? Because there's freedom at the cross to do that. I can't stand this situation. I know you say that you work everything out for the good, but I can't stand it. This week, I was doing that. Just this week, if I showed you my devotional, you would see that this week. And I just wept and wept and wept and wept. I hated what was going on. And sometimes that happens. Now, the beauty of it is that I, I, can, I can do that within the context of the relationship because I know he's not going anywhere. And I know I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing the stupid thing. You know how like, you know how, like stupid dudes will go, well, that's it, I'll just leave. <laughs> I wish you would take them up on that. Because <laughs> they'll really no, I'm sorry. Um, no, no guy ever meets, means that, ever. And so you, you just, you go, wait up. I'm not leaving anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. And so within the context of a deep relationship, and and God's a big boy, he can take it. So going to him honest and broken and saying, I don't like this. Are you free to do that? Because the law will, hey, you have memorized prayers in the law. You have have only one way you can talk to God. Are you free to be broken and disappointed, hurt and discouraged, tempted and desiring things other than Jesus, I want to give you that freedom today. The law can bring you there. 
I hate this, God. I can't stand what's going on inside. And not having, not going, oh, but I trust you. And I go, listen, God already knows what's in your heart. Just tell him the truth. God, I can't stand this. This is terrible. Won't you help me? When, when we see God coming into our heart, it gives us a freedom like never before. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, if you don't know Christ Jesus, you're not. And by the way, ladies, this means you too. You're a son of God, right? It's just, you know, you're a child of God is, is the way other translations put it. But the literal translation is son of God. Um, you're, you're children of God. This is for those who have acknowledged their dependence on Jesus, for those who God has given faith to believe in him. If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, would you just do that today? If you have been depending on your other gods, fishing around for them to relieve your stress, your pain, to give you beauty and encouragement, listen to me, run to Jesus. But if you're in Jesus, good news, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Do you see that? There's a, there's a wardrobe change. There's a, there's a difference in our lives. Think about this. Think about this. Christ comes in and he changes your appearance. Your clothed in Christ. What does this mean? If we're clothed in Christ, listen to the next verse. This is powerful. Now, there is neither there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You, you know what that means? That means that there are no superheroes in the faith. It means we're all one. It means if we stand by the cross, I'm no better than you, you're no better than me. I pray for the amount of time that I pray because I need Jesus more than you do. I recognize how weak and feeble I am. I know how willing I am to go into my heart to find my God rather than run to Jesus. And so I pray. I might pray a little bit longer than you. It doesn't make God love me any more than you. I probably blow it more than you do. And it doesn't make him love me any less than you. His love is true and perfect. I've been clothed in Christ. When God sees me, he goes, there's my boy. And I'm clothed in Christ. I get the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus gets all. You know, we're going to have a, a, a song right now from a young lady who's going to sing. And she's going to remind us that it's him who does it. It's him who cleanses. It's him who frees us. I want this so bad to be your story. As she comes up, we're going to think about the beauty of being in Christ. Listen to me. Listen to me. I want to act out and I don't want to run to Jesus. I want to act out and I don't want to run to Jesus. You can still be walked to Jesus by Jesus. And he can walk you to himself. And grow you. I don't want to do God's will. 
Fine, tell him so. I don't. You are free. And because of that freedom, you can be free to obey. There's a strength and a beauty and a power that comes in that kind of freedom. My prayer is that you would see that. We'll listen to the song and then I'll come back. Freedom that's in Christ. This is what I want you to do. Identify your gods. Identify the things that have your heart. Identify the ones that you run to when you long for salvation. Salvation from where you're at financially. Salvation from the way you feel when you're ugly. What is it? Here's, Here's a suggestion. I suggest that, and by the way, Jesus does this. Don't see me do this and go, now I want, what I want you to do is I just want you to try harder. I want you to carry the stuff, your, all your weaknesses and your bugaboos. I want you to carry them to Jesus. That's the way to do it. No, no, no. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. But as temptation comes, as, as desire comes, as you try to live for Jesus, as maturity comes, as you try to live for Jesus and you find that these other old gods tug at your heart, here's what your life is going to look like in Christ. And by the way, this doesn't take five seconds. This takes a lifetime. God, by his Holy Spirit, says, now, Edwin, I want that. No. I want to I leave it here. Honestly, I like the way that feels. I like the way, listen, I like the adrenaline rush I get when I do that. I just like it. Edwin, I want you to give it to me. God, would you do that in me? I've already given you the strength, Edwin. It's already yours. Just live it out. No. Lord, would you help me to walk in brokenness before you? Father, the truth is, I love my sin more than I love you. I want to live holding forgiveness from you, but resentment towards others. I would like to receive your blessing and curse them. I know that you've forgiven me, but I I think I'll stay angry with them. Lord, this is really where I'm at. Now watch this. When you come to Jesus like that, and when at the cross I bow my knee where your blood was shed for me, and you start, it's the gospel, man. It's the gospel. When you start, when you start this again, and I can't believe you don't know what they did to me, and they just took advantage of me, and I was so young, and, and I trusted them. And then you feel, as you're at the cross, you feel the drops of blood that was sacrificed for you, and how much you were forgiven. You go, there's no wrath coming towards me, only mercy. And what I did to God is so much worse than what anybody has ever done to me. When you st- really stand under the cross and you really think you're that hot? Or stand under the cross and you really think you're that awful? Under the cross, we're all the same. We just read it. There's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no slave, there's no free, there's no male, there's no female. We're all- Listen, I, I just can be, when my depression comes in, I bring my depression unto the Lord and go, God, I just don't, I just, 
I don't know how to look towards anything but me. And God says, no, 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 no. I want you to look to me. And you bring your resentments and you go, you know what, Lord? They should have fulfilled that promise. They should have came through with that. And you go, oh, wait, Lord, I've, I've not fulfilled my promise to you. And yet we can sing, I know you love me. I know you so bitter towards it. Show me yourself. Heal the wounds of resentment. I want to pursue you. And I can't do it. You do it. Envy. Who are you going to envy? You're a child of the king. You're royalty for crying out loud. Like really? I know a couple of weeks ago for real, this actually happened. I couldn't believe how stupid this was. The prince, uh, and I shouldn't have said that because this goes out on the internet. Um, we'll edit that. And so prince, um, prince, you know, something uh, recently happened that was interesting. Uh, and that's how we'll start it on the tape. Um, uh, prince, one of the princes in England, I can't remember what his name was, um, William or something like that. <clears throat> he actually, listen to me, he actually um, slept for 12 hours under a, uh, like a bridge thing, sort of to identify with the poor, for 12 hours, with armed guards around him, and a Rolls Royce about a block down. Of course you can identify with the poor with that. Let me tell you something. Jesus did not do um, camera opportunities, photo ops. Jesus came for 33 and a half years. So listen, listen, listen to identify with you so you don't have to you don't have to go oh I wish I was like someone no I'm loved by the king I'm loved by the king and he listen everything that you're going through he can identify with you he can identify with you is it greed I have all the riches I need Lord help me to be content with the riches that you give and the joy and with that contentment help me to work to be better and do better so that I might be able to be more generous. Lust. Oh, Lord, you satisfy me. You be the thing that fills me. Not her, not it, not that, not them. Not you do it. It's at the cross. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Um, Paul says Abraham's seed like saying saved. It's like synonymous. It's like if you're in Christ, you're Abraham's seed. If you're Abraham's seed, you're in Christ. He uses those words synonymously. They mean the same thing. And heirs. Listen to me. Heirs. According to the promise. Listen to me. God won't break his promise for you. He promises to be with you and not forsake you. He promises that when you take your junk and your funk that you've been hiding and you think from him and you bring it to him, he goes, finally, 
we can talk. Finally. I encourage you, this week, every time you're tempted, every time you want to do, every time you're praying and you feel like a hypocrite, hypocrite, that's the perfect time to go, God, I'm yours. Help me. I'm a total hypocrite. Are you kidding me? It's worse than I think. I'm only doing this because they told me to. In five minutes, I'm about out of here. Listen to me. And you can feel the gentle love of the Savior going, I know. And I love you anyway. You're my kid. My prayer is that you would know Jesus like that. That this year would be a growing in this. That you too would one day, even in your greatest moment or in your worst nightmare, you can say, and I know you love me. I know you love even me. Let's pray. Father, there are many people here who have been wounded and walk with guilt and shame and feel like the only way they can be rid of this guilt and shame is to go to their other gods like greed and resentment and envy and lust and resentment and pride and anger. There are those who are here who feel that their freedom will come at the bottom of a bottle or in a hotel room or in a screen or at an OTB or at... And Lord, you see us in our fractured, broken ways. And you bring us from relying and digging into our hearts. You, through the law, walk us to the cross. Where it can hang, where where when we see you, we see that you paid the price. You had the punishment. You paid the penalty for our sin. I pray, oh God, that this year would be a year where we grow and recognize your real salvation in the cross. That not only you save us, but you sanctify us. And not only do you sanctify us, but you'll glorify us. And Lord, we look forward to being before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, seen as perfect, even in our perfection, in perfection. And we pray, O God, that we would just simply sit at your feet, cry out to you how messed up and hypocritical and ridiculous we really are, and hear those words for you to say, I know, but I love you anyway. Thank you, O God, for your precious word. Thank you for this book, for we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.